When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 330 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Good afternoon, everybody. It is still September 14th, Monday. It is still the Truth Hurts program, and I'm still your host, Steve Z. The difference is just a few hours since our last program. And what a difference a few hours actually makes. This morning, the expert meteorologists said Sally would be a minimal Cat 1 hurricane at landfall. Now, suddenly, It seems like she got her cycle together. And now they're claiming it could be a Cat 2 or even a low-end Category 3 hurricane when it makes landfall, depending on whether it slows down or whether or not it turns more to the north than the west. The center is wobbling and reforming, so the actual landfall prediction is still in flux. Stay tuned, weather watchers. The main thunderstorm mass is still hanging to the northeast and eastern sides of the swirl, but it does appear to become more and more symmetrical every hour. It still, however, appears New Orleans will miss the brunt and the eye will cross somewhere near Gulfport, Mississippi, if the general consensus data still holds. I'd like to switch from weather to physics for just a moment. I want to invite you all to do a little physics experiment with me. Now, this is not graduate-level physics. This experiment actually goes all the way back to the days of Benjamin Franklin, one of the founders of our great nation. And here's what you will need. You will need yourself, and you will need a five-gallon Home Depot or Lowe's or Menards or Ace Hardware bucket. You know, the plastic bucket with the handle. I know, I know. But Steve, there was no Ace Hardware or Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot when Benjamin Franklin was around. No, they had big horse trough watering buckets. Just bear with me and get a damn bucket. All right. Now, I want you to stand in the bucket. Just place it on the floor and stand inside the bucket with both feet. Now reach down and lift up the bucket by the handle with you inside. Now go ahead and lift it up. Lift it up off the ground. What? What? You can't do it? I didn't think so. This is how Benjamin Franklin explained raising taxes to the early citizens of our nation. The idea of increasing taxes to bring a nation out of the economic doldrums is similar to trying to lift yourself and the bucket up while you stand inside the bucket. The idea of increasing taxes to bring us out of the economic doldrums currently being experienced thanks to the Kung Fu flu. Oh, I'm sorry, that's racist. The Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019. 
Oh, oh, that's offensive. The COVID is like trying to lift yourself and the bucket while you're in it. You can't do it. It's simple physics. It's simple economics. The expectation that the rich in our country can afford to continue to pay more and more and more in taxes so that the poor can get more free stuff is just as ridiculous. According to Forbes magazine, the number of billionaires in America numbers just around 300 or so. The number of people earning less than $30,000 a year is over 100 million. More like 200 million. Handing out five loaves of bread and two small fishes may have worked for Jesus Christ with a crowd of live, what, 5,000 people in St. John's Gospel. And somehow they ended up with 12 baskets of leftovers. But you cannot expect 300 rich people to be able to support the millions and millions of Americans with their hands out. Speaking of... Gropey Joe Biden said in public that he will raise the taxes of Americans as his method of of addressing the Kung Fu flu-related economic slowdowns. We all know this method has never resulted in positive economic numbers. It's like trying to lift yourself and the five-gallon bucket with you inside the bucket. Donald Trump, who lowered taxes in order to usher in the very best economy this country has seen in decades, says he will lower taxes again once businesses are allowed to reopen and people start to return to the full employment that was experienced before the Obama virus experiment was unleashed from that virology lab in China, where Obama ironically visited not so long ago and provided some of your tax dollars to fund their questionable experiments with none other than viruses. I was speaking to a confirmed Joe Biden supporter this past weekend. He even had a bumper sticker on his car. Probably the first one I've seen. Anyway, we were at the NOLA Motorsports Park for our TDW Motorsports Track Day Winner event, riding those motorcycles out there. Anyway, this guy was running around telling people how bad the Donald is for America. And he was bashing this terrible economy that we're in. I took the opportunity to ask him a few questions about real issues and actual topics, just so I could get his opinion. I did not mention how Trump and Biden actually landed on each of these questions until after I was done. I asked him whether the riots in our cities were good or bad. He said, bad, of course. When I asked him whether he thought the virus restrictions shutting down the economy was good or bad, he said, bad. His own small business was suffering. When I asked him how he would feel if someone from the government knocked on his door and walked in and took away all of his guns, he said it won't happen. He wouldn't allow it. When I asked him if he thought every voter should be required to present a photo ID, just like they have to do to cash a check in his business, or to enroll in school or apply for a job, he said, of course. When I asked him if all criminals should be released from jail until their trials without bail, he said no. When I asked him if he wanted his personal income taxes raised, he said, hell no. 
And when I asked him if he wanted uh, the choice to be able to send his kids to whichever school he wanted them to go to, he said, yeah, that would be nice. When I asked him if he thought we should be defunding the police or reducing their funding to dangerously low levels, he said no. When I asked him if he thought China was a threat to the U.S. economy or even a threat to us from the military, he said yes. When I asked him if we should allow unfettered illegal immigration invaders to our country, to just simply come in and start taking from our system and that those coming in could possibly threaten his job, he said, I do not support illegal immigration. Finally, when I asked him, is every cop out there evil just by the nature of their job? He said, hell no, my brother's a cop and he's a good guy. So right there in front of those other people, I shook his hand and said, Based on your answers and beliefs, it appears you just voted against Joe Biden and you just voted for Donald Trump. Welcome to the Republican Party. After some stuttering and stammering and some backpedaling, some chides from a few of the other riders, he finally admitted he never looked at it this way and that he's only been voting Democrat because his grandmother and his mother told him to vote D no matter what since he was a young boy. When you open your eyes to the truth, that's when you realize what's happening in the real world. Sure, utopia, kumbaya, and circles of people sitting on the grass drinking a Coca-Cola with a polar bear sounds wonderful. But somebody has to pay the tab for that. When everyone in America works and pays their fair share, then there would be less burden placed on every member of the population. When everyone chips in and there are no takers, just people contributing and giving, the portion that they have to give is lessened for everyone. As long as we have government in check and not running around rampantly spending. But that's not something that the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want you to know. They're counting on you being ignorant of those facts. You see, the more people that know and realize and understand and accept these basic economic premises, the less votes there are for the takers who keep on take, take, taking and never ever think to give because they feel that their ancestors gave so they should get a free pass. We'll be right back. Listening to the Truth Hurts program is the highlight of my day. Okay, it really is not, but that's what Steve Z told me to say. I am not oppressed because I am a computer. And speaking of takers, Kamala, I'm not really an African-American woman, Harris, the vice presidential nominee for sleepy, creepy, gropey, mopey, dopey Joe Biden, has announced that if they are elected, 
the administration would cancel student loan debt at HBCUs. What's that, you say? What is HBCU? Well, boys and girls, if you don't know, an HBCU is a historically black college and university. Yes, you can't have HWCUs because that would be racist to have historically white colleges and universities. That would be racist. But you can have historically black colleges and universities. During a roundtable discussion, Kamala Harris discussed the nation's student loan debt crisis, which collectively amounts to $1.6 trillion. She said, quote, In relation to the history of HBCUs, students decide to take on a profession of service, which does not often pay as well as if they go to the private sector and do other things. So for those students who come out and have jobs that pay less than $125,000, student loan debt will be forgiven. That's a direct quote. That, boys and girls, is blatant racism. Obvious pandering to the 13% double A crowd, which is despicable, disgraceful, and should be illegal. Yes, when you read the article a little further down, she does mention giving a student loan break to other groups of people. But this was aimed directly in a pandering fashion to the HBCU. Now listen, when a person is getting ready to graduate from high school, they have to make a decision. Either go to work and earn a living and start contributing to the tax base through your employment taxes, or you make a conscious choice to go to college. And if you have a scholarship, goody, goody gumdrop. And if you don't have a scholarship, you have to make a decision to sign a contract and take out a loan. It's just like taking out a loan to buy a pressure washing machine business or a new car or any purchase. You made a choice. You signed the contract. You are obligated to pay off the loan. Period. Who the hell does the government think they are under Kamala Harris and gropey Joe Biden to simply wipe away that debt. They can't, especially if that debt was incurred through a private lending institution. Someone, let's say you or I, for example, invests money in banks and financial institutions, and we're counting on the payment of that student loan debt along with any other debt and the interest to compensate us as a form of income. So to simply wipe away student loan debt is basically taxing me twice. First, I have payroll taxes deducted from my check. And if that's going to wiping out debt at the government student loan level, and then they wipe it out and tell the banks, oh, well, tough titty, you can't collect on those student debts because we're wiping them clean. They're taking away my income. I'll be damned if I'm going to allow my hard-earned paycheck to be decimated by gropey Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's pandering 
their increases in taxes, only to have a portion of my hard-earned money go to pay off some double-A student debt. If they earn less than $125,000 per year, they get their student debt wiped clean? Let me ask you, how many of you out there did not graduate college and are working and paying taxes into the system and you earn less than $125,000 a year? Is your house note getting forgiven? Your car note? Your business loan? Hell no. This race-based pandering has got to stop people. The takers. Give me a break. Mayor Bill, I'll do anything to shut down Trump's economy de Blasio, announced today that he is canceling the iconic historic, almost one century old Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year. And he's blaming it on, you already guessed it, the Kung Fu flu. I'm sorry, that's racist. The Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. I can just see this school year with children having to wear masks. And it's going to sound something like this. Hey, teacher, Timmy is using his mask as a slingshot. Oh, oh, I got boogers in my mask. Can I get another one? Hey, my mask makes a cool hat. Look, I painted my mask with ketchup. Whee! Whee! I can twirl my mask in the air like a helicopter. I put a hole in my mask to drink my milk with my straw. Johnny's wearing his mask like a diaper. Ew! Tyler popped his ear thingy on his mask. Make Susie stop wearing her mask on her ears. Teacher, my mask fell in the potty. Jody put soap on her mask and now she's blowing bubbles. Can I try? Look, I can spit through my mask. How come her mask is pretty and mine is just plain? Tommy drew a dog on his mask and now it looks like it's pooing. Ew! Tell Marley that my mask does not have cooties on it. You see, I can't eat with my mask on. Joey's got a brown stain on his mask. Ew, he must have wiped it on his butt. Is it okay if we trade masks at recess time? My mask is better than your mask. My mask is better than your mask. Because you're a poo-poo head. The Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It's like hearing what you are actually thinking. Only with a really cool DJ voice saying it. As I said before the break, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced today that he is canceling this year's iconic Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And he's blaming it on the Kung Fu Flu. According to the DailyMail.com website, de Blasio announced that the iconic parade traditionally held every year on Thanksgiving Day, this year will be held virtually on Wednesday, the day before Turkey Day. De Blabio was quoted as saying, quote, It will not be the same parade we're used to. Macy's is reinventing the event for this moment in history. The event will not be live, but will be available online and to some television stations. Macy's is said to be announcing the details later today, We shall see. 
The annual parade has rolled every year since 1924, almost a century ago. It supposedly has survived World War II and the 9-11 tragedy and many weather events, although sometimes the balloons may be brought down because of high winds. But it has survived many tragic events throughout its 96-year history. And this year, a widow COVID killed it. A widow COVID. Hey, it's probably for the best anyway, with all the calls to defund New York's finest, you know, the police. With all the protests and riots, excuse me, peaceful protests that de Blasio and Governor Cuomo and their comrades on the leftist media have constantly praised over the last six months. You know, those riots, those parades, those protests, those marches, those acts of domestic terrorism. Yep, they would probably have reared their ugly head at this year's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Remember, boys and girls, this year when you flip on the television Thanksgiving morning, it is de Blasio and Cuomo who canceled your annual family tradition, and it was not your president, Donald Trump. Remember also, back in July, de Blasio ordered Macy's to change its annual 4th of July fireworks display. After all, that's a patriotic event, and we can't have something like that in America. (laughs) But... It's not just Macy's. It's not just the 4th of July. He's canceling the Pride Parade, the West Indian Day Parade, and the Feast of San Gennaro. But he's not canceling protests. He's not canceling riots. He's not canceling marches, looting, arson, or assault and battery, or any of the other anarchy going on in his fair city. The loss of the parade this year will cost many local businesses millions and millions of dollars in direct and ancillary costs, and the economic loss to the tax base of the city of New York will also likely be in the millions. Remember, this event usually involves about 10,000 people, including 4,000 Macy's employees. Each year, high school bands go for the coveted right They compete for the coveted right to participate in the Macy's Parade. Oh well, kids, you'll have to blow your horns at home. The balloon costs, the float decorations, and any other items associated with the parade usually runs about four million bucks per year. Remember, after botching the city's response to COVID-19, and after totally screwing up the state's response to coronavirus in general, Both Cuomo and de Blasio have proven that this is not a Trump issue, but it is squarely a big rotten apple issue, 100%. And I'd like to do a quick comparison to prove my point. We'll do a quick comparison between the savior of the world, Andrew Cuomo, you know, the guy who killed lots of grandmas and grandpas by sentencing them to death when he made nursing homes take COVID-19 patients in. Yeah, that guy. So we'll compare Andrew Cuomo to Ron DeSantis of Florida, probably one of the most hated governors in modern-day media. The population of Florida is 22 million people and growing, many leaving New York, whose population is now about 20 million and dropping. Florida's state income tax is a whopping 0.00%. New York, 8% on top of your federal taxes. 
8%. The state budget in Florida is balanced. No deficit spending. The state of New York is deep in debt and growing deeper and deeper by the hour. The number of COVID-19 cases in Florida, 42,402. COVID deaths, 1,827. In New York, the number of COVID cases is 338,617. The number of COVID-related deaths in New York is reported at 27,448. Yet the media praises Cuomo continuously and calls DeSantis a lunatic. Are you awake, sheeple? Can you do the math? If you lived on a piece of property and you had trees growing all around your home, and those trees constantly dropped leaves and twigs and branches, and you lived in an extremely arid, very dry, you know, non-humid environment, would you have the common sense enough to rake up those leaves, to maybe thin out some of the trees, to prevent your home from catching fire? Well, the tree huggers out west don't understand that basic principle. And so, as the states of California and Oregon and Washington burn with major forest fires, the two presidential candidates have different messages on how these fires should be dealt with. With record-setting wildfires currently happening in the U.S., forcing their way into the campaign today, Donald Trump and Joe Biden made completely different commentaries. The fires have so far killed about 35 and forced tens of thousands of people to evacuate and have subjected millions to some of the worst air pollution in the world. Yet the subject has been slow to penetrate mainstream media and politics because it's competing with the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, all the so-called peaceful protests, you know, those riots. In a speech in his hometown of Wilmington, Delaware, where Joe Biden is scared to death to leave because there isn't enough teleprompter cable to move him far away from Wilmington, it was a hot afternoon on the heels of the hemisphere's hottest summer yet, according to Joe Biden's people. He emphasized the wildfire's connection to human-made climate crisis, and he again pitched his plan to invest in green infrastructure in order to create jobs and stimulate an economic, economic recovery rather, from the pandemic. Hey, Joe, newsflash. Those fires happened to your wonderful green trees. Priuses were not on fire. Buildings were not on fire. It was trees, Joe. Trees on the other side of the country. Joe Biden said, all this year and right now we stand with families who have lost everything, firefighters, we support first responders, taking everything and risk life to save others. People not just worry about raging fires, they're worried about the air they breathe, the damage to their lungs. This year alone, 5 million acres are burned in 10 states. That's more acres than the entire state of Connecticut. 
Fires are blazing so brightly. Smoke raising so far. NASA satellites can see them one million miles of space. The cost of years damage again astronomically high. But we think of a view on the ground in the smoldering ashes. Or something like that. He continues, we have a choice. We can invest in our infrastructure, make it stronger, more resilient, improve the health of Americans and creating millions of good paying jobs while at the same time tackling the root cause of climate change. Or we continue down the path Donald Trump has on us. The path of indifference costs tens of billions of dollars to rebuild and the cost of human lives, livelihoods, homes and communities destroyed are immeasurable. What, Joe? What did you say, Joe? Oh, wait, he goes on. The fury of climate change is everywhere. With every bow of nature's fury caused by our own inaction the climate change, more Americans see and feel the devastation. Whether they're in big cities, small towns, coastlines, farm towns, it's happening everywhere. It's happening now. It affects us all. What, Joe? You're blaming man-caused climate change for lightning striking a dry forest in a town that refuses to allow people to rake up the leaves and thin out the trees that catch fire? Come on, Joe. Come on, man, as you would say. Of course, I could find 46 stories about Joe Biden blaming man-caused climate change for the wildfires, but I had to dig and dig all the way to the Sydney, Australia Morning Herald to find information about what Donald Trump had to say. And it, too, from Sydney, of course, was left-leaning. U.S. President Donald Trump has acknowledged the unprecedented nature of the wildfires ravaging America's West Coast, and he's blamed the disaster on bad forest management. Well, there you go. A day after visibly frustrated California Governor idiot Gavin Newsom described the devastation across his state as a climate dam emergency, Trump told supporters at a packed rally in Nevada... They've never had anything like this, but you know it's about forest management. Please remember the words, very simple, forest management. The comments came as tens of thousands of people have been displaced with a death toll of 35 and Trump being relatively silent on the matter. It really truly is a state's issue. It really is, because the state has blocked the U.S. Forest Service from implementing proper forest management for decades. The comments about the fire management are likely to prove contentious since many of the forests are in national forests. However, local laws seem to always end up in the courts. Trump said the states weren't doing enough to clean the floors of its forests and has decades of leaves on the ground, just as I said earlier. Maybe we're just going to have to have them pay for it because they didn't listen to us, Trump said. California has experienced five of its ten largest fires in history this year, and according to Governor Newsom, there were 7,700 wildfires over the past few months and close to 1.3 million acres of land burned. The Democrat governor said the debate is over in terms of climate change. No, it's not. It's really not. I don't think driving an F-250 diesel caused your wildfires, Governor Newsom. I think some idiot with a match or a cigarette or perhaps, oh, I don't know, a baby gender reveal. No, that couldn't happen in California, right? 
There would have to be an entire rainbow of possibilities, not just the pink and the blue. Newsom says to deal with the crisis, California will have to readjust its environmental goals. This could include adapting strategies to get more electric vehicles on the street and electrify its transport system and then re-examine use of land and soil priorities. These people are really out there, folks. Really, really out there. The common sense of the issue is this. Rake up your dry leaves and cut a safe distance between the trees and your house. Because if a burning tree falls on your house, you morons, your house will catch fire. But I guess you have no understanding because you have no common sense. This is the Truth Hurts program for your afternoon edition, Monday, September 14th. Those of you along the Gulf Coast, batting down the hatches, it looks like this thing's getting a little stronger. And we'll see you next time on The Truth Hurts. You know those thoughts that are eating away at your brains? Steve Z is letting them out. Refreshing, isn't it? This is The Truth Hurts program. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Thank you for listening. We hope that this presentation has enlightened you to the things that may have been hidden from you. This is where we bring darkness to light, turn fiction into reality, and exercise our First Amendment right to free speech. Here is where the double standard is exposed and displayed for all to see. We sincerely hope that we've helped you to open your eyes to what's going on in the real world. The Truth Hurts program is produced at Studio 63 in Bayou Country in affiliation with Steve Knight Productions. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. No animals were harmed in the making of this program. It is fact. It is real. It is truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Hurts.